0: If you have your Bibles tonight, you're in the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be looking at two verses tonight. Verses 12 and 13. Of course, we understand as we've been going through the book of Hebrews, uh, we made mention uh, last Sunday night at chapter 11. In chapter 11, of course, that uh, uh, talks about uh, the examples uh, of those who live by faith. And then when we come into the 12th uh, chapter, we're reminded of the 11th chapter and we're reminded that we're in a race. And we're in this race uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in this race to bring glory and honor to Him. And so as we look, we saw uh, we had encouragement and we were uh, giving things uh, of how uh, we can run our race well. Remember, it talked about how we need to take off those weights. He talked about uh, 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 getting uh, and removing that uh, sin that so easily besets us and and slows us down from running the race. And so we now come to the 12th uh, verse, and we're going to see that as we're in this race, uh, God has given us all that we need to be able to run the race. And not only has He given everything that we need to run the race, but He's given everything we need to run the race. Okay, and so now we come and one of those provisions is grace. Oh, aren't you glad uh, that our Lord Jesus is one of grace? Because the Bible tells us that without grace, it's by grace that we're saved, not works, lest any man should boast. And so we understand if you're a believer tonight, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It wasn't because of your family. It wasn't because of anything that you did. It was all we, All of us can agree tonight that it was by God's grace that we're able to be what we can be. And we're able to be in the race because of His grace. And so we're going to look at what that curtails, what does that mean? In verse number 12, we're in chapter 12 of Hebrews. This is what the Bible says. It says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest they which is all uh, lame uh be turned out of the way but let it rather be healed and so by God's grace tonight we're going to see a message entitled in it to win it now there was a game show, I don't know if it's still on or not, but uh, it was uh, the, uh, the announcer, the MC, whatever, uh, he would always talk about, it. he would use that phrase, you're in it to win it. We hear that quite a bit. We all know that we're in now in March Madness, and it has been a crazy tournament already. And we see that people get excited. Uh, Nashville hosted a couple of rounds and uh, the excitement of the fans coming to that. And, and we understand that every team, uh, I think it was 64 teams, uh, but every team that got into the tournament did not have this attitude. Boy, if we can just make it through one game. No, they, they would say, you would interview him. hey, what do you think your chances? He says, hey, man, we're in it to win it. That ought to be our motto as well, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in this race not just to get through it, but we're in it. To win it. By the way, we've already run the race because of what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary Street, and because of what He did for us, we're already winners. Amen. And so we just need to go ahead and claim what has already been promised to us. God has promised that we can be victorious in this race that's been set before us. By the way, we made mention of it last week that this race was set before us. When God had a purpose in plan for our lives. Not one of us, God had this desire for you. I hope they mess things up really well. But there are some people that are running the race with that kind of attitude. Now, who would that? Why would you think that? Why would you think that, that, you know, that if you could just make it through... Now, understand where I'm saying and understand my heart. I understand that we're all sinners uh, and uh, we're all uh, saved by His grace. I understand that. But I want you to know that's not going to be a good attitude to have when you're running the race. We understand we are sinners. We understand all of that. We understand that because of God's grace that He has given us victorious life. But when we enter this race we're saying I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Um, The greater He's in me than He's in the world. We ought to go in with the attitude hey I'm going to run my race that's been set before me. God has given me everything that I need. I'm victorious in Jesus Christ and I'm going to act like it and I'm going to run like it. That's the attitude that every one of us should have in this house tonight. And so here we see a number of things. First of all, when we're talking about the race, chapter number 12 has been referred to as the race of life or the race of faith. We see that as we're running this race uh, that uh, there's three aspects to this race. First of all, you have to get into the race. That's salvation. And so we're only way we, why we're on this course is because we've been saved. Okay? Now, we're now running the course. Okay? That means that we're in that phase of sanctification. It's where we're growing up, where we're maturing in our faith. See, the longer we run the race... The more mature we should be in our relationship and in our faith, but then there's a third aspect, and that one day this race is going to be over, and that's glorification. And so uh, here, what do we else do we see here? Well, I already made mention that one of the uh, provisions that's been given to us is grace. Newton in the 1700s wrote a song. Every one of us are very familiar with "Amazing Grace." But in that song, you're going to see those three aspects of the race that we just talked about. We're going to see salvation, we're going to see sanctification, and we're going to see glorification. Now, I'm not going to sing the song, but you all know the words. It's an amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wrench like me. Now, watch this. I, was, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, was blind. But now I see. That's talking about our past. At one time, we were lost. At one time, we couldn't even see the course. At one time, we had no clue to how to run. But that was in the past. Then Jesus Christ came into our life. And Jesus saved us when we repented and confessed our sins and we called upon His wonderful sweet name. We had seven examples of those who did that uh, this morning when we had our baptism service. And so we understand how do we get in the race. We get in the race by knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. But then the song goes on and we're going to see, it also says, and, and it was grace that's led me Safe this far. That talks about the present. See, we're we're running the course. And how can we run the course? Because we know we're going to get weary in this race. Here's what encourages us. As we're running this race that's been set before us, we're going to see that God's grace is going to sustain us and God's grace is going to see us through. But then there's a third part of that song. And the third part of the song says, And it's grace that will lead me home. In other words, we're going to see glorification. One day, we're going to cross the finish line, and we're going to have a perfect body, going to be in a perfect place. And we've all been able to do that because we were put in the race, we were sustained through the race, and now we received our reward. And it's all because of His grace then, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 11, it says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice, he says to be strong. How are you going to run this race? You're going to run the race strong. How are you going to do that? Understanding the grace of God working in your life and working in my life. But then we go on and we see a number of things here. What does that mean? It means, first of all, there's got to be determination. Determination. Notice the text. The text says, lift up your hands. Now, if you know anything about running, one of the signs that you're getting tired is that your hands start to hang down. See, when you start out the race, man, you're excited, you're, you're passionate, and you've got the arms up, and you're pumping and pumping, and then the longer you run, you start to notice that those hands start to drop down. Here we see the illustration here is, uh, and this uh, quote, if you will, is from Isaiah chapter 35, verse number 3, where it says, to strengthen the weak hands and to confirm the feeble needs. Now, here's the picture. We've got to be determined. You have to be determined when you get in this race that you're going to race it with everything you got. Yep. Now watch this. So you're, you're starting out. I remember a, a couple races and, and, and you're looking at me and says it had to be a long time ago. And you're exactly right. It was. But I had this old boy and uh, a couple of other guys that I used to run with. I always had a tendency to go out too fast. Now, uh, anybody that does any long-distance running will know you've got to pace yourself. But when you get saved, man, you're all excited, aren't you? I mean, you can't wait, and you, you just can't get enough of the Word, and you're here every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, whenever the doors are open, and man, you're, you're just praising God, and you're running strong. And, oh, but what happens is, those hands start to droop down a little bit. For me, it wasn't too long after I got started. And these old boys that were pacing themselves say, says, you're going out too fast, Shelby. You're going out too fast, Shelby. And I'm saying, come on, man, you bunch of lightweights. And I'm... and then they catch up to me about halfway through the race. And they're still running with those arms up. And they're looking at me. My arms are down here. And my knees start buckling. And they said, told you, told you. Started out too, started out too strong. Now, the comparison to what we're giving here is, you cannot start out too strong for the Lord Jesus. And you need to understand, and I need to understand, that if we've done what uh, verses 1 and 2 said about dropping off those weights that will hinder us and, and getting rid of that besetting sin, you can be strong all through this race. That's what God wants for us. He doesn't want our hands to be dropping down. He doesn't want us to get fatigued. He doesn't want us to get tiring. But watch this. Sometimes it happens. But what we're needing to do is... Those of us who are still running strong, we're going to see it a little bit more. We need to come alongside that brother or sister whose arms are dropped down and their knees are starting to to buckle a little bit and we need to go in there and encourage them and say, hey, you can do it. The Lord is going to help you. I'm here to help you. Folks, that's what the family of God is all about is help those who are struggling, those who've dropped their arms, those whose knees are about to buckle that we need to encourage them and, and to come alongside them and pray for them and let them know we're lifting them. Up And so here he says, you have to have a determination. Your determination is that you're going to run the race and you're going to run it strong. Now, we need to see hands. Uh, your weak hands will hinder your work. When you have weak hands, when your arms are start to drop down, you're getting fatigue, you have to understand that's going to hinder your work. You're not as passionate as you used to be. You're not as enthusiastic as you used to be. Also, watch this. That's when Satan is really going to start throwing his punches at you. Arms are down, you're tired. and He's going to come and run alongside you and say, Why are you still running? Why are you still in this thing? Come on, man. Just give just, just give it up. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When I play ball, our coach would give us these talks, and he says, Now listen, on the basketball court, you can know when your opponent's getting weakened because if they're playing a zone defense and they're having their hands raised, and and, and, and you know, at the and then as the t- game goes on. Their not their hands are not coming up. I remember playing ball, you know, and my arms are getting heavier and heavier, and then you start getting a little careless when you get tired. Satan knows all this, and so he's going to come in, discourage you when your hands are down. But also, the coach would say something like this: "This is when we need to go ahead and and do go fast break." Yeah. They're getting tired, boys. They're getting tired. Now's the time to step it up. Satan, that's what he's telling his demonic force. He says, look at them. Their hands are down. They're running slow. Now go get them, boys. Give them everything you've got. Give it all to them. And that's what's happened to many believers. Their hands are dropped down. Satan's gone in and he's discouraged them. And And he's not only discouraged them, but many of them says, what's the use of running? But also notice... The knees start to wobble. There was in the Olympics, not it's some time ago. Guy was running a marathon. He was about the last. He's coming into the stadium. Many of you, it was a picture that went many times over. And he was struggling, man. He was, str- and he, and he was his knees were going about like this, and he he was barely getting in. And the stadium was still full of people. And they started clapping for them. And they started cheering them on. And you could see... On his face, his hands were down. His knees were wobbling. But he kept on. Why was he keeping on? Because there was someone that was trying to encourage him. That's exactly what we need to be doing as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of our family members, their knees are wobbling. Their hands are hanging down. It could be because of their health. It could be because of other limitations. It could be because of depression, because things are not going right. It could be a number of things. Folks, this is when the church needs to rise up. This is when the church needs to be the church. And we need to come alongside them and say, come on, you can do it. Come on. We're almost at the finish line. My dear friends, we're living in the most exciting times that we've lived in because we're getting closer to the soon coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now's not the time to give up. Now's time to lift your hands up. And now's the time to run the course and to run it strong and to run it because we're in it to win it. So here, he says, "There's some determination. But notice the instructions what's the instructions that he's talking about? He's showing us the paths in which we need to run. Notice, he says, the straight path. See when you get weary and you start getting fatigued, it's easy to get off course cause you're not concentrating you're not focused and so now you're you're looking into where was i supposed to turn oh oh okay he said straight paths but notice the reason why we see it also in scriptures where it helps reinforce this he talks about we are to be running this course straight why Stephen Curtis Chapman, back years ago, wrote a song. Many of you are familiar with the song. Here again, I'm not going to sing it, but it goes something like this. It says, And the footprints that we leave, lead them to believe. Why are we having to run this straight path? Because there's others behind us. There were those who ran this course before us. And they left us the footprints that we could easily see. And now we're following in those footsteps. If you just think about our church here, we need to realize tonight that there were many who ran the course, and they ran the course well. Many of you, you will not recognize their names. But the Lord Jesus knew who they were. I could start, I have in my mind right now, names that would come to mind that uh, maybe when we were still over in the old building, some of you remember those days. And I remember those of their faithfulness and those that, 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 that ran the course. And because they ran the course, those of us that are coming behind were able to look around. And this has not always been like this. Hillcrest has never been in an auditorium like this. Uh, we never had the facilities that we had. And it's because of the faithfulness of those who ran the course before us. And they did it Well. May I remind you tonight, there is a generation coming in behind us. I have grandchildren that I need to make sure I'm leaving footprints that they can easily recognize and that they can follow because Papa was running the course that God had set before him and Papa was running the course well. And so they have, many of you have grandchildren, you have children uh, that are looking to us and saying, how do we know how to get there? See, we're all up in the arms sometimes. We talk about this millennial generation. And we say, here's what we need to do. Here's how you reach them. Here's what you need to do here. And so we have churches now that they'll say, here's, we know what's best. We have something new and improved. Don't believe that. Ain't nothing new and improved. It's just the same old stuff packaged differently. I mean, that is. And so here they're saying, here's what you need to do. You need to cut this out. You need to quit doing this. You need to do this kind of music. Listen, all we need to do to reach the millennial uh, and any other generation is to make sure we're running the path straight that's been set before us. And we're running well enough to where they can come behind us and they can trace the footprints. That's how you reach them. I know I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm telling you, uh, simplicity sometimes is the best. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a very simple message. But what we got to do is we try to complicate it and we have to add stuff in it. And here, Jesus Christ, when he preached, he preached a simple message. But it was a message that you could easily follow. And that's exactly why we're here tonight. Here's the reason why we're in this building. is because those who went before us laid the foundation and laid the footprints. And we're just following in those footprints. But also notice... In that song, he talks about, and the lives that we lead will the life that we lead will inspire them to obey. Obey. We have a song, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I don't know about you, but that's pretty simple, isn't it? Just trust. Trust why? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why are we trusting Him about? First of all, we're trusting Him about our salvation. Because the Bible is quite clear that He is the only way. And so oh, we're trusting in Him. But we're also trusting in Him as we're running this race. We're trusting that He knows exactly what we need when we need it. And the problem is that we don't have everything we need. The problem is is that we've taken our eyes off the path that's been laid before us. We've gotten distracted and we let the world come in and cloud our judgment and cloud our methodology about reaching people. There's a thing that the modern church, the contemporary church is saying now. They're saying, if you want to reach lost people, you need to learn how to identify with them. Well, how stupid is that? Why would we want to identify with a lost and dying world? Matter of fact, that's the why they're looking around because they're tired of identifying with the world in which they're already in. They want to see something genuine. Well, they want to see something real. They want to see something that uh, is not polished because they've been to churches where they got the organization down. They know how they have an order of service. They know how to do that. They know how to sing. They know how to play music. They know how to teach a class. They know how to build lessons. They know how to build a sermon. They know there's got to be three points in a poem. They understand all of that. But that what they're missing is... And they're going and they're looking around and says, I don't feel anything. And the reason is because we've taken the, God out of the equation and no longer are we relying on Him and Him alone. Now we're relying on us. No wonder they're not getting anything. Simple, trust and obey. Let's just go ahead. What? what I might write a book on this. If you want to see the glory of the Lord fall on your church, just trust Him and obey what He's told you to do. I think it'd be a bestseller. But somebody's already written that book. It's called the Bible. Hey, it was worth a try, don't you? And so he sees. Now, Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25 through 27. He says, uh, and, and paraphrasing, he says, Oh, let your eyes look straight and ponder the path that your feet are going down. That word ponder means to be focused on. But then he goes on and says, And your ways will be established. I uh, caught that word, establish. Here again, the lost and dying world, uh, they don't want to see wishy-washy. They don't want to go one service and they're doing this and then they do some completely, something different. They want to understand. They're looking for security. Yep. They're looking for stability. Yep. Because the world in which they live, it's not stable. You turn on Fox News... And you'll see that any, uh, some uh, you, things are going uh, decent. Next thing you know, there's North Korea. Next thing you know, there's troubles in Israel. Lebanon is rising up. ISIS is making a move. They're seeing now the stock market. It's been going high, but it's been dipping down some. There's no stability there. They're working in a place and they're thinking, well, I'll have this job until I decide to retire. Next thing you know, uh, we're downsizing. The world does not offer anything stable. None of our lives are stable outside knowing Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. See, you can count on Him. He won't fail you. He won't leave you. He'll be there. He's the same yesterday. He'll be the same today. He'll be the same tomorrow. I'm telling you, we need to keep our eyes focused upon the path and we need to establish ourselves. And when they see that when we're having troubles, it doesn't change the way we behave. Here's what's confused in the lost world. Oh, yeah, you're you're praising God and you're saying, yeah, man, Jesus is good. When you've got money in your bank account, your health is good. When the children are doing well, no one in the family has been incarcerated. You didn't have any family problems with addiction. Oh, yeah, it's easy to praise them then. But what happens when the rug gets pulled out from under your feet? That's when they're really going to take notice. That this Jesus that you said that you are praising Him and you know He's got everything under control, when your world turns upside down and you're still praising God, that's when it's going to get their attention. So the paths here have to be straight paths. But we also see in Romans chapter 15, and this is, we're going to see a destination. Oh, what is their destination? Romans 15 1 talks about the strong paraphrasing here, we're going to be helping the weak. And then it goes on and it says, When it does not please ourselves. Watch this, church. We're running our course, and there's some behind us that are struggling. Their hands are down, their knees are buckling. And we've gotten so caught up in our own race. We're only concerned about us finishing. That there's miles behind us that may not finish. The scripture goes on and tells us in verse number 13 it says, And the lame... Would not, turn be, would not be turned out. He's talking about the picture of a race and his knees have buckled and he's strayed off course and because he's strayed off course, he's been disqualified. But here we are hey, they'll be all right. Hey, I've gone through the same thing. You'll be okay. Next time we turn around, they're not even on the course anymore. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has skipped out on church did that because we weren't there to show them or to help them. But there are many that because they were not encouraged... And nobody took time to invest in their lives. They said, what's the use? And we can go ahead and beat up on them as long as we want to. But my dear friend, this thing's bigger than we are. And that's where our problem lies. Too many of our churches are concerned with me and my four and no more. What a tragic, tragic way to live. When you're trying to do the best you can, and you want to serve the Lord, and you want to and you want to have a stronger faith, but you're you're looking around and nobody's coming back to say, "Come on, I'll, I'll show you the way." That's exactly one of what we're, one of the. Two things that the church should be evangelizing the lost, edifying the saints. It's not an either or. We need to be doing both. And so here he says, uh, in Romans, he says, now here's our destination. Our destination is not that I'm going to make it, what our attitude should be and what our heart should be is I want them all to make it. Amen. But how will they know unless we show them? That's what Romans is talking about. He says there's some that are going to be stronger. And the job for the stronger is to help the weaker. Amen. Not to beat up on them. Not to look down at them. Not to be pharisaic about it. Not be self-righteous our job is to get them, pick them up, and encourage them and say, you don't have to run this course by yourself. I'll run it with you. Amen. Where are you in your race tonight? Your hands lifted up, running strong. Oh, Brother Mike, I'm running strong, man. I'm telling you what, I, I, I'm just excited. My passion's there. I'm enthusiastic. I've, I've been trying to win my co-worker. I, things are good. Well, What are you doing for those who are not doing as well? What about you? You know that you do not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. You know that you've never confessed your sins. You've never truly repented of your sins. You've never, by faith, called upon the lovely name of Jesus Christ. My dear friend, you're not even in the race. But I got good news for you. King Jesus is there at the finish line. And he's saying, look at the cross. Look at the cross. And I'll show you how much I love you. And I'll show you how much I want you to get in this race. And I don't care what you've done. I don't care how wicked you've been. I want you to know I died for you. And I love you. And I want you to get in a race. But you don't have to run it by yourself. I'll run the race with you. Oh, my dear friend, you need to get saved tonight there are so many here, you've already been in the race. You may be thinking pretty good how well you're running. Praise God if that's you. But you need to be looking around and seeing whose hands are hanging low and whose knees are buckling. You need to take time out of your precious schedule and you need to go back and say, Come on, brother. Come on, sister, we're going to finish this thing together. Whatever the Lord's laid upon your heart tonight, we need to be obedient to Him. It's amazing to me how we've gotten so many things mixed up. And when I'm saying the church, I'm not talking about us, even though we do have some things we need to work on here. But I'm talking about the church And everybody's got an answer of how to raise baptisms. Everybody's got an answer how we can start filling our churches up again. We've already alluded to it. What about a simple gospel message? Just telling people how much Jesus Christ died for them and loves them and shed His blood for the remission of their sin and to show them we're not the judge... We're here to pick you and to love on you. Many are afraid to do that because they don't want to be rejected. Well, why would they think something like that? Because they've been rejected. And you don't have to say a word. People know. When they come into these doors and they come into this sanctuary... They can, they'll know if we're real. They'll know if we really mean what we are saying. They'll know if we really love them and we really care for them. How well are we doing there? So tonight, as we come to a time of invitation, are you in it to win it? Yeah, I'm in it to win it. Are you in it to help someone else win it? There. Ah, there you go. Are you in it to help somebody else win it? One of the things that really upsets me, especially sports related, is those that like to kind of boast and brag about themselves. They'll say things like, boy, if you. And this is what they think. You can tell by their attitude. This team is really lucky to have me. Some of you have played on teams like that, hadn't you? Some of you are the ones that said that. (laughs) Boy, where would we? We wouldn't be able to get in the championship game if it hadn't been me. My dear friend, you might do that in the sports world, but there's no place for it in the spiritual world. Because this thing is bigger than you and it's bigger than me. It's about Him. And the last time I checked, He says, If you lift me up, I'll draw all men unto me. So how well are you running your race tonight?